Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host of the episode, Brodo Director of Content and Lead Writer Matt Ward. You can find me on Twitter at PsychWardFF. This episode of the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast is going to be a historic one. I'm sure you've already noticed you are not being serenaded by the suave vocal undertones of Tim, Jason, or Michael. It is the first ever episode without one of the Patrop brothers. Don't worry, though. Don't panic. You're in good hands. I've been on the podcast for the last couple of weeks, and today I'm joined by a special guest, proto writer, and one of the funniest men in all of fantasy football, Femi. Introduce yourself to the people. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, Matt, you, you can't call me one of the funniest men in fantasy. That's like... Uh, a, a, a stand-up uh, comic going up and someone introduces him as the greatest stand-up in history. Now they're expecting something. But you guys can find me and my shit posts at, uh, at Gridiron Greek on Twitter. I'm sure you'll live up to the hype. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> We've got a great show today set up for everybody. Um, we're going to cover some of the recent rumblings in the wild world of football, obviously. We're going to include some of the contract disputes that have been going around the NFL and talk about some potential landing spots for free agents and rookies and kind of, you know, who needs to improve their team now. Uh, we're also going to take a look at the upcoming NFL draft and see which teams are best positioned to turn themselves from last place basement dwellers into top floor competitors. We can't wait to dive in. But before we get started, we got to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. The only tool that you need to dominate fantasy football is absolutely free. It includes everything. It's got fantasy player cards, fantasy player grades, usage charts, start sit tools, player comps, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, true value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, defensive points over average. You can find the podcast there. You can find advanced statistics, um, all everything. So go over to the Google Play Store, the Apple Store, and download it today for completely for, for free. And the reason that it is free is because of all the wonderful people at patreon.com slash protofantasy. All the supporters over there have uh, kept the app and the podcast running. So kudos to them. And you can join now to support the show, support the app, and get a ton of extras, including full extra episodes of the podcast, betting algorithms by Broto Casanova, uh, team consultations, draft sheet seats. Uh, you can join the Broto Fantasy Discord, uh, where we talk about dynasty. We talk about betting. Uh, we're running with the NBA playoffs right now. Um, it's the best community in the world, and we've got so much more over on the Patreon. So head over there and join right away. And most importantly, those contributions keep everything free for everybody. So. I guess the biggest news coming out today and over the past week are the contract disputes of some of the big stars in the NFL. Uh, Kyler Murray is apparently unwilling to play without a sizable contract extension from the Cardinals per his camp of representatives. Um, Femi, do you think Kyler has done enough as an NFL quarterback in his short time in the league to deserve a massive extension? And like, is that money just a product of the way that the market is built out? Or is that somebody that you really think you should be investing your entire future's worth of salary cap in to be a cornerstone of your franchise? Well, I think when you're investing a high draft pick into Kyler Murray, you're already expecting that. Now, obviously what, what happens after is also a big part of it, uh, but I do think he's, he's earned it. And I think 
that it has to do with the quarterback market that you have to lock down your quarterback, or at least that's what GMs think. Um, so first you're investing a high draft pick into him. You've committed to him. You brought in DeAndre Hopkins. It seems like you want to build the offense around him, uh, you know, give him some weapons. Um, and I just think it's really hard to get a quarterback in this league. When you have someone like Kyler Murray, who is a dual threat, who can run, who can pass very well, uh, even if you don't think that he's the best in the league or top five in the league at one of those things, that's not really that important because you have a great quarterback. You have a top quarterback. Um, and, you know, a lot of these teams are going to front load these contracts to lock them down and to make sure they have cap space for the future. So I think there are smart ways to do it because realistically, what do the Cardinals have to build around? You know, they've got Rondale Moore. They've, you know, on that offensive side, at least, um, I think locking down Kyler means that you have the freedom to explore other options in the draft and free agency in trades. And if you see your season's going well, well, then you can make a big trade or you can sign someone, you know, on the offensive line where they need help. Um, you know, you have the freedom to, to draft a wide receiver two there or possibly the next wide receiver one. Um, who knows what's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins in the future. Um, but I, I think, I think he's deserved it. I don't know if he's deserved the money that he's asking for, but he's definitely deserved a large extension like that. Yeah, I think those are all really good points. And he's kind of put the Cardinals in this corner where, I mean, the worst case scenario for that organization would be that Kyler doesn't play without an extension. They don't give him one and he sits out an entire year, meaning they obviously wouldn't be exercising his fifth year option and he becomes a free agent early. And that would be the absolute worst case scenario for them. And if that were to happen, I mean, he's still Kyler Murray. So it's not like quarterbacks grow on trees. <laughs> like, I think there's a, a misconception that you can just replace or just acquire quarterbacks. And now, yeah, like teams like the Rams and obviously the Browns recently with Deshaun Watson, like have proven that you can get a quarterback in a different way that you can kind of supposedly build now. Um, rather than just win now and, you know, build for the future now with dropping off massive amounts of draft capital to acquire somebody that, you know, will put you over the top, but that's still a risk as well. And I think you make good points there where if the Cardinals are going to win now and build now, they don't really have another choice other than Kyler Murray. Yep. That's and, true. And like you mentioned the Browns with Deshaun Watson and the, uh, the Rams with, Matthew Stafford. The thing about those two teams is they built the trenches. They did what the Eagles did to win a Super Bowl, where they didn't have the, the best quarterback in the league. Matthew Stafford's not the best quarterback in the league. He's a very good quarterback, but the offensive line was amazing. The defensive line was amazing. You have Aaron Donald there. Um, and the Browns, too. You've got Miles Garrett and you've got a great offensive line. And that's why you can win games like that, even if you don't have the best of the best at quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm and speaking of the market and, and the way that things have changed, you see now Debo Samuel is pulling the whole Instagram and removing the 49ers from his uh, social media handles. And, and apparently he has openly asked to be traded um, from the 49ers as contract negotiations kind of soured there. And he's not receiving the extension or at least the size of the extension that he wants. Um, and I think that's kind of like the Jaguars kind of messed up the entire free agency market and, and the fifth year option by giving Christian Kirk that money. And then you see the chiefs were unwilling to 
give Tyreek Hill that extension and the Packers were unwilling to give one to Devontae Adams. And those guys are arguably top, I mean, top three <laughs> receivers in the NFL. Um, and you could make the argument that Debo is not one, especially because some of his most productive games come as a split option or as a wide back, as we're starting to call it now. So what do you think about Debo as a fit for the 49ers if he wants to basically remove that role um, and the type of contract and, and the way that the market shakes out for how big name wide receivers are going to get paid in the future? I've kind of got a little theory. I think I think after the Jaguars fans were uh, clowning uh, Trent Baalke, he was like, I just want to ruin the rest of the league. I just want to pay Christian Kirk a bunch of money <laughs> and, just, and just screw over the rest of the franchises, make them pay up. Uh, I don't care about winning. I, I really don't. I'll, I'll win in the future sometime. Um, I mean, that's not what happened. He's just an idiot. I mean, it definitely seems like <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, if there was one place to ruin it for everyone, it would be Florida, right? Right. <laughs> um, I, you know, Debo Samuel actually had the third most yards from scrimmage last season. He was just behind Cooper Cup. I think he had 1,800. So he was behind Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. So I think when your value comes as a dual threat, you do have to get like praise for it. You have to get what you deserve. Um, but then like people point out, he's kind of making himself into a running back more. And we know how people feel about running backs and paying them. And that's that you probably shouldn't. Now he's also a good wide receiver. That's no doubt. But I, I agree with you. He's not like a top five wide receiver in this league. He's a very good fantasy football asset for sure. Right. And I think right. his rushing potential, you know, makes that possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if Christian Kirk is the reason that this happened, but I do think that it was very badly timed for the 49ers. But unlike the Cardinals, they have the ability to move someone like Debo because I do like Brandon Ayuk and they still have George Kittle um, and they're going to be fine without him. Um, they would love to keep him, but I don't think it's like a huge blow to them. Yeah. Yeah. I could see a, a situation Absolutely, especially after the draft when the 49ers kind of see who falls to them in those later rounds um, where they move on from Debo or even during the draft if there was somebody that they feel enamored with because as you saw with somebody like Trey Lance, the 49ers are not afraid to move mountains to acquire somebody. Um, so yeah, that, that certainly is a scenario that I think people should watch out for. Debo is not guaranteed to be playing for that team. And his role... It's not, again, you kind of said it. It's not like Debo isn't a great wide receiver. His target share was a lot higher in the first half of the season before they kind of committed to that wide back role where he was seeing the majority of his snaps come out of the backfield and, and Brandon Ayuk's snap percentage was raising to the 100% range. Um, and I do think that they have weapons where they can kind of uh, move on from Debo if that was their, their piece. But again, that's going to take a team that is you know, wise of the situation and understands that if you're, you are going to have to not only give up a lot of draft capital, but a massive amount of your salary cap, because the whole reason that Debo wants out of the 49ers is, you know, the role that he was given, which he was incredibly productive in, but wasn't a fan of, and doesn't want to continue to do for obvious reasons, career, career longevity and the way that the wide receiver market is shaking out. He doesn't want to be reviewed as a running back. Um, so you're going to have to give up a lot of capital for a guy that had one of the most productive seasons in 2021 and then sign him to a wide receiver one contract, which is it's a it's a big ask of a team. And, and you kind of reiterated it. It's you're not really a, 
it's not really a good idea anymore to be paying huge contracts to running backs. And if a team views Debo's ceiling as a wide back, then you're going to have to meet somewhere in the middle on that market where you're not really, you're not really focused on necessarily the role moving forward, but the player that you're bringing in and how can, and how he can impact your team now. Yeah. So where do you see him falling? Because someone's going to pay up for him. That's for sure. Um, it's like with the Steelers with Le'Veon Bell, eventually the Jets got him and, you know, the Jets are kind of front runners for, for him right now, but where do you think is a team that realistically has the draft capital or potentially players to give up and also has the, the cap space to pay him? Yeah. And, and also kind of there's, I mean, every team can use a wide receiver, but one of those teams that really stands out and also is phenomenal at scheming for advanced roles is the Patriots. And I think that would be an ideal situation. I think that would be ideal for Debo. I, I think he could still maintain a kind of short yard after the catch role, uh, much like they use guys like Edelman, um, but not have to line up in the backfield because Belichick likes his goal line backs. He likes his Damian Harris's and he likes to pound the rock. So it gives, you know, released the Patriots for guys like Jacoby Myers to kind of flourish as well, where they're not getting pressed up and shadowed by the best cornerbacks in the league. And yeah, I, I think that's probably one of the teams that actually has cap space is in a situation where they want to win. Now they made the playoffs with Mac Jones um, and they have a role open and a space open that he can flourish in. Yeah, I think that's an interesting fit. Um, I wasn't even considering the Patriots, but it does make sense. I mean, we think of the Patriots and their transfer of power to Mac Jones as continuing like the check down kind of thing, the James White role, even though he's still back now, but he's very old. Um, I think that's a great place for him to go to. Honestly, I don't know if Bill would, you know, give up the capital for that. I think he wants to get his Walmart wide receivers, his, you know, seven foot right. guys who, who get corn, you know, for a living, but right. Um, that's a very interesting thing. I, I like that a lot. I think Mac Jones checking it down to him and then, you know, having guys wide open deep, that'd be really good. And, uh, staying, staying in that division, Let's talk about the Bills a little bit, and uh, who, could, who could they be drafting in the first round? You know, Brandon Bean said he would not be opposed to selecting a running back in the first round of the draft, um, and he didn't name Brees Hall exactly, but he's the clear-cut favorite to be selected as the first running back off the board this year. Um, you know, what, what do you think about that? Do you think I think that's a great fantasy fit, but is that a great real-life fit? Is that a good use of a first-rounder? For the Bills, I mean, I, I think – we saw that Devin Singletary was productive and, and productive for a fantasy asset, but not necessarily somebody that you're going to give 21 carries to in the playoffs when you're trying to wind the clock down. Um, and when you really need to, when time of possession essentially equals a win. Um, so I do think that's an area that the bills need to attack. And like Brees Hall is for fantasy value and dynasty value. Brees Hall is already arguably the one, one because of the quarterback questions in this draft. So if he were to land in a spot like the bills um, who haven't traditionally used running backs in a fantasy friendly uh, method anyway, when volume comes in to speak, but if he lands there, that's a high scoring offense. They could take away some goal line carries from Josh Allen to keep him healthy, keep him fresh, keep him productive, um, limit some of his, you know, high impact, scenarios where obviously you don't want to see your half a billion dollar quarterback be getting injured. Um, and yeah, like that, that 
the Bills have always been that team that everybody wants their favorite fantasy rookie running back to land to. So I think that would be the best spot. And they're also an organization that keeps things really close to the chest. So I think being openly saying that in an interview is actually kind of telling. I think they're in a position where they feel really good about their defense. They got Rousseau last year early to kind of sure up that defensive line for a few more years and their secondary with Tredavious white back and healthy is phenomenal. I think they feel pretty good about their defense. I think they see a lot of defensive depth in the draft. And if they, you know, if Brees is Brees should be there, he's not a top 15 running back, but he is an early second round running back. So I don't even think that would be viewed as much of a reach really. No, I don't think so either. Um, I do kind of have fears about, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I know he's, it's not the same type of player, but, uh, you know, it just kind of gives you those vibes. First round running back um, towards the end of the draft, a really good team who, you know, it seems like they're going to be indestructible. Um, but I think for the Bills, they might be in better position. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's also one of those scenarios where the NFL isn't going to draft the way that we want them to as far as fantasy impact goes. No. Um, and that's never going to be the case. And the Bills, again, they were, you know, one possession away from making a Super Bowl, essentially. Right. So if they invest into a running back, it's not really the type of, you know, core position that puts you over the top when it comes to winning Super Bowls. We've seen lots of teams, the Rams, the Rams ran a three-headed monster during the playoffs and none of those running backs were overly productive and they won a Super Bowl. So it's it's pretty obvious that you don't necessarily need to sure up that position to win a Super Bowl. And there, this is the type of draft class that is won in the trenches. And there's a lot of really, really good defensive line, offensive line, linebacker talent in this draft. And those are also those positions where you know, like they say in basketball, it doesn't show up on the stat board, but they make a difference. Like that's, those are the guys that are going to put your team over the top when it comes to winning a Super Bowl. In my opinion, anyway, you build out from the trenches first. And speaking yeah, of the I'm trenches, <laughs> yeah, um, there's another, like, I guess that's been the kind of biggest conversation of, of the draft as far as the the top five picks go are the edge rushers and the offensive linemen um, and, and that level of talent that's in the draft. So it's certainly a, a possibility that the Bills kind of wind up with Brees Hall anyway, because that position is going to, those edge rushers and those linemen are going to dry up really quick. Like guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Tajon Walker, like all of those guys are projected to be top 10 picks. And actually Jacksonville has apparently committed to Aiden Hutchinson verbally, according to his camp. Um, they've had ongoing meetings with all of the top five, top 10 prospects. Obviously you do your due diligence, but Hutch is apparently under the impression that he's going to be the first overall and they are preparing for life in Jacksonville. If they were to make that pick, you know, other polarizing edge rushers fall in the draft. Um, how do you think that kind of like affects the the one two the like do, do the Lions go Malik Willis instead of Kayvon Thibodeau now that the best edge rusher is off the board is Aiden Hutchinson the best edge rusher like are the Jacksonville Jaguars just blowing smoke up 
uh, you know, playing smoke and mirrors with everybody. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like he's been the odds on favorite in Vegas to be one, one. And I think that's probably the position that the Jaguars want to sure up most, but we're not going to know until draft night. And I want to see how that would shake everything out. If, if Hutchinson goes one, one, does that kind of just create a domino effect of everybody wanting to sure up their edge rusher immediately? I think it'll definitely affect the lions. And I think that we could see them just immediately trade back. They might have a backup plan that says we don't want Malik Willis. Um, we we're not in a position to win anytime soon. Uh, we just want to get like one of these guys in the trenches, like you said. Um, so I think if they are committing to Aiden Hutchinson, I believe them. I don't think they're, they're going to lie to us. Um, and usually when you hear these kinds of things, they're usually right. Especially with the first overall pick, you kind of have an idea of, you know, what's happening with that. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think it does kind of create a domino effect. I think teams are going to want to trade up and try to take advantage because they might think that someone like Thibodeau is worth, you know, going up there and saying, Hey, listen, lions, you don't want Malik Willis. You don't want this guy. Or maybe they do. Um, you know, you could go back to, you know, seven, eight, nine, actually got to see who's over there, you know? Yeah. Nine, you know, that's where, that's where the uh, Seahawks are. Maybe that's where they want it. Maybe that's where they want to be um, as they build up their line and hopefully get a new quarterback at some point. Um, so I think we're going to see maybe like two, three teams trade back out of the top 10 because this is going to affect their plans. And then we might see a quarterback fall far. You know, we might see that everyone just doesn't want this player. They're going to go Evan Neal. They're going to take uh, Iguanu. They're going to, they're going to start making a run in those positions because they're like, Oh shit, this is not Thibodeau. This is Aiden Hutchinson. Um, and I think the what the Lions do with that, I think, is going to be. Yeah, I, I think so. And and Tibbs is now the odds on favorite to go to Detroit um, after there was a lot of Malik Willis at at 102 talk and, and a lot of Thibodeau falling because of character co- questions, um, his dedication to the game, so to speak, quote unquote. Um, so, yeah. It would be it's it's certainly a position that the Lions need to sure up. They they need to take care of the defense. They need to take care of the edge. They could certainly go offensive line there, I think, as well. But you make a good point where. Like I agree, I look at the top three, top five offensive tackles in this draft, and they're all fairly similar and they have you know different skill sets, but can certainly make immediate impacts as plug and play left or right tackles in the NFL and guys that you're going to build an entire team around, but there's also those, all of those guys are also going to fall in variant spots. So there's is room to move back. Like there is room to, instead of if you grade the top three guys evenly, then to trade back for the third guy. So I think the lines are going to kind of rather than the Jaguars where Hutch seems like the locked in one, one, I think the lines are basically going to control the tempo of the draft and how things fall out and, and, who falls where and who moves up because if they make a big move at, at one, two and kind of acquire a bunch of future assets or somebody moves up for the quarterback that they've been talking about uh, to go there and it's all just been rumor mill um, that's really going to set the tone for the draft. And that kind of something else that I've talked about on the podcast that I want to just like quickly touch on is if 
all of that smoke and mirrors of Malik Willis at one, two has been just that and, and nothing but rumors. It's almost a better idea to just sure up that position to take the Thibodeau, to take the Evan Neal, uh, the Charles crosses of the world and wait out next year. An offensive line isn't necessarily going to, it's going to sure up your team. Absolutely. And sure up your future, but it's, it's not going to turn a bottom feeding team like the lion's, uh, into a Super Bowl contender immediately. They don't have the other assets around those positions like teams like the Bengals did. So it's you got to go trenches, you got to go defensive line. And I think it's almost beneficial to middle out again or bottom out again, get another high pick and just move mountains for a much higher prospect of a quarterback when next year in 2023. Um, with CJ Stroud, with Bryce Young, like those guys are going to be top five picks. And if you're just going to be a bottom five team again with a Malik Willis, then wait, sure up another position. Um, and I guess the last little bit of news, which I thought was kind of interesting because you had just recently uh, written an article about this guy. Uh, Katarius Tony apparently reportedly <laughs> refused to attend the voluntary team camps for the New York Giants. Um, a lot of players don't attend camps. It's not like the worst thing, but that's usually reserved for like veterans and, and established dudes or, or second, third year players, or like we're seeing with Kyler and Debo guys that are waiting on contracts. That's really who you see on those lists of, of guys that don't go to voluntary camps because for one, the New York giants have a new coaching staff. Um, they have a new playbook that they're rolling out now that every single player has except for Kadarius Tony. Um, so I found that kind of an interesting piece of news. I wanted to, touch on your confidence in Tony leading into year two. And I know you're pretty high on him. So how does this kind of make you feel about, about a player that basically is going to learn the playbook later than every other member of the offense? Yeah, it's, it's a little strange. I, I really didn't like this news. You know, I wish you didn't bring this up, Matt, but I, I guess we have to talk about it. So yeah, I did write an article about Kadarius Tony. I was not a big fan of him heading into 2021 as his rookie season last year. Um, but then I watched the tape. I was looking at the stats and I saw a lot that I liked from him. And I think that this new regime, that's basically just the Buffalo bills 2.0, you know, just heading South a little bit towards New York city. Uh, I think that they could use him in a different way. I think that they could use him more because a lot of the times he was just being taken out of games for absolutely no reason. I know he's dealing with a lingering injury, but um, th this kind of hurts my confidence because you're right. This is something that you see out of, veterans out of people who have kind of earned that and you know I don't like to sound like an old man who's like oh you have to you have to earn being able to sit out like you shouldn't have to rest if you're a rookie or, or a sophomore but when you're a rookie who didn't really produce much whether it was your own fault or not uh I just like to see that out of you I'd like to see you going to these voluntary uh you know camps and just kind of you know building that rapport back up with your quarterback building the trust of uh your coaches and saying like, Hey, look, I'm, I want to fight for my spot. I know that I was drafted highly, but that was with the other guy that was with David Gettleman, you know? So I want to prove to you that I was worth that. I want to prove to you that I deserve to be the, the wide receiver, the one wide receiver two on this team, because he is a very dynamic player. I mean, he's taking, he's going to take screens to the house. He's going to be, you know, that, that fast kind of like, you know, zigging in and zigzagging in and out kind of guy. And I really want to see that from him. And I thought I was going to see that from him. And this kind of lowers my confidence a little. And I wonder, are the Giants just going to draft a wide receiver and just kind of say, screw you? 
Um, you know, I think a lot of the time we do overreact to camp, especially when it's voluntary. Um, but, you know, I think we really have to take Tony with a grain of salt right now because I don't know if he's really putting in as much effort as I'd like to see. Yeah, I certainly agree with you. Like, it's not, it isn't something to overreact about, especially if you manage him in Dynasty or, or are looking at him as a redraft asset or early on or a best ball asset, rather. Um, it, it's not something to overly panic about, but especially with a new coaching regime, it is, it is one of those things where you do just want to see him be like, listen, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I'm your wide receiver one. I'm going to step in and look at how much I want to be that guy. I'm here. Show me the playbook. And yeah, it's obviously it's a business and guys go about their things different ways and, and they prepare themselves in different ways. And there's, this isn't saying that he's not training or not preparing because he certainly is, but yeah, it is a little interesting. I think with the ball being the new coach or, and and then bringing in a, a brand new playbook and are kind of opening up the playbook to younger players saying, look, here's your opportunity. You're allowed to compete right now. Um, we have new plays. We have new schemes. Like who wants to be the guy? So it is interesting to not see him there. But again, he is a dynamic player. He was phenomenal after the catch. He's a great like yards per route guy. He kind of hits all of the thresholds that you wanted to see on a per route per target basis for a rookie he just didn't get a lot of that playing time because of the poor coaching schemes and because of that lingering injury so it's someone that i'm going to keep a close eye on um especially because of your article <laughs> so i i'm i'm really into tony it's just you know one of those things that that yeah i wanted to bring that up to kind of open up a, an area of conversation where this is the time that he could be really rising his stock with the giants and he's deciding to go about it different ways. And that could say something for, you know, maybe the way that the organization is attempting to build for the future. And, and Tony might not see himself as a part of that future. That's fair to think as well. Something like you said, that they are potentially drafting a wide receiver or even Kenny Galladay is back and, and healthy and, and they might be favoring him to some extent there, but to be determined, I guess, something to watch out for with Tony. And, and I want to see him in those camps and I want to see him doing well. Yeah. But you know, Kenny Galladay is uh, Megatron Jr. So he's got to watch out. Yeah. Baby Tron. Yeah. Something <laughs> I was not aware of when playing uh fantasy jeopardy with the boys last year. <laughs> um, sp hey, speaking of the boys, <laughs> Tim wrote this like really good article. Um, very recently, you can head over to brotofantasy.com or check it out on the app as well, um, where he was kind of talking about what team is in the position to become the new Bengals. And it's something that you and I touched on briefly during the, the show is what teams are kind of in the best position to make themselves into a serious contender or at least somebody that can compete for a divisional title. Um, some of the teams that obviously didn't do so well <laughs> in 2021 and, and have some high draft capital and some, and some obvious holes to fill, but are also in a position that can compete. Um, Tim took his hometown jets and, and uh, really wrote a phenomenal mock draft for them and, and the avenues that they can take to, sure up a solid offensive line for Zach Wilson while also adding some serious offensive firing power. So something that I wanted to do with you is take a look at some of those bottom feeding teams and run through a mock draft of sorts for the first three rounds of the upcoming 
2022 NFL draft and see if we can really turn some of these franchises around. I was kind of contemplating who I wanted to select for, and it was tough to uh, pick somebody other than the Saints <laughs> because I'm a big Houdat fan. And what made it even tougher is because the team that I'm going with is a division rival. But it's a team that I really like a lot of the offensive weapons on. I really think that they're a few positions away from competing. Um, their defense is really solid. So I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers at pick six, and I'm going to take their first three rounds and see if I can turn this team into uh, somebody that could beat my beloved Saint. I like that. I respect that. Uh, you have faith in Sam Darnold, or you're not going to show your hand just yet? Um, to be honest, I don't have much faith in Sam Darnold, but I think I'm going to have a – a good chance at landing somebody that I like a little bit later as well. The Bengals were a very unique situation. Yeah, um, they were kind of set up in a scenario where they bottomed out because Burrow missed his season. Like they probably would have had quite a few more wins if he was healthy his entire rookie year. So for them to land in that spot where they were able to acquire Jamar Chase and already having a young Joe Mixon as much as we are not fans of him at Brodo as a fantasy asset, <laughs> but a young Joe Mixon, a young T Higgins, uh, adding Jamar Chase and, and having, you know, Jesse Bates and a solid defense on the other side of the ball. So they were in a really unique position. It's not something that's easily accomplished, but yeah. Um, who are you thinking about trying to, to turn around what, what the face of what franchise, uh, you know, this team, this team should be winning a lot more. They're historic. And now they have an opening for the division. It's going to be a tough one. It's always going to be tough there, but I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears. I like it. I like the Bears. Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty high on Justin Fields. I really like Justin Fields. I would rank him out of all of the 2021 quarterbacks. I still have him in that same high value tier as Trevor Lawrence. And you could make that argument that he's slightly above. Um, I still like Trevor Lawrence, obviously. That being said, yeah, Justin Fields is a phenomenal quarterback. Um, they have really solid weapons with Mooney and Montgomery. Cole Komet is a great up and coming tight end and, and the defense speaks for itself. It's definitely taken a bit of a step back, but it, it's still got that culture where the bears are always going to be hard to score on, but they don't have a first round pick. Are you up for the task? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, we see teams like screw up their first round pick all the time. I mean, I'm just, I'm just not going to screw it up. I, I, I got it. There's nothing there. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So um, we're basically just going to kind of simulate out and I'll let the first picks run automatically and we'll see who I have when it comes up to pick six. So you got to assume that the Panthers kind of want to go quarterback or, or have to go quarterback. I think that's going to be the, the consensus pick for them there. Um, but as I alluded to, I don't think that they're necessarily going to run through that division with the saints and the bucks being who they are. And if you're not going to put yourself in a position with one quarterback or, or one player that can really put your team over the top, win a division title, get you into the playoffs where anything can happen. Then I think you need to sure up those other positions where you give yourself so much firing power in the future years that when you do land a top asset, a quarterback, it's all systems go. So the biggest need in Carolina right now, especially with Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey will still be viable next year and the year after as well. It's not a win now scenario for that team. It's just a team that needs 
to be solid everywhere and then find a good quarterback. And I would much rather them have a shot at a quarterback in 2023 than take one of the five question marks that could go in the first round. So I'm going to take the highest ranked offensive tackle off the board immediately and get Charles Cross down to Carolina and sure up that offensive line. So McCaffrey can still win them some games this year, can protect whatever quarterback they bring in. I would like them to go and get Jimmy G, to be honestly, um, to be honest here. But it, I'm not going to instigate a trade. So I would like them to sure up an offensive line, get that offensive line developed so that when next year they hopefully bring in a quarterback or potentially take one a little bit later in this 2022 draft, that the team's ready to go. Oh, my God. I just missed out on him. <laughs> Were you looking for a wide receiver there, eh? Yeah, I mean, I don't think wide receiver is the biggest need for this team right now, but Sky Moore just went right before him, and, man, it, that feels bad. I mean, if that's your guy, I'm not going to stop you from uh, kind of well, playing I, the the commissioner role here <laughs> and instigating a pick, because we do just have it on simulate here. And, I mean, the for those listening, the, the team that did select Sky Moore right before the Bears at pick 39 was the Jets. And I actually think the Jets are probably going to get a wide receiver quite early there. So that might be a wasted pick on Sky Moore back at pick 38 when they have the exact same player that has already produced at a really high level in Elijah Moore. Yeah, I think actually when uh, Tim did his article, he had Garrett Wilson going at 10, which I also agree with. I agree with offensive line and then one of the best wide receivers in the class, where wherever it's going to be. I do like Wilson there. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the Jets would realistically do that unless they actually did skip out on a wide receiver over there. Um, but, hey, you never know. They, they they might feel like this class is deep enough, you know, to, to, to take someone like Sky Moore or whoever they want, really. Um, hmm. let's, let's see through this list. There's some uh, – a lot of really good edge talent is kind of projected to go in that pick uh late second or early second rather that pick 32 to, to 40 range guys like uh nick benito are up there josh pascal from kentucky leo chanel from wisconsin jalen peter from baylor the cornerback with uh insane speed so this is really the area of the draft where teams are going to be looking defense i think first yeah i agree there's not a lot of great offensive linemen right here um maybe in a few picks and the the Bears do have another pick coming up pretty soon. Um, I think I can skip out on the offensive line right now. And I think I do go with maybe an edge rusher, a defensive lineman here. Uh, I will go with Nick Benito. From Oklahoma. That's a really good pick. I don't think, I actually don't think Benito would fall that far to Chicago. Um, he's a polarizing player. He had a phenomenal final year, essentially carried the entire defense into what was a really, really stout, um, stout defense for the program. Yeah, that, that, that's a great pick. And if Chicago can do that, they're kind of essentially giving themselves almost another Khalil Mack-esque player without the same, you know, profile and draft capital. But, but that just puts them right back into a position where that edge becomes terrifying again. He's got great hair. So <laughs> yeah, can't give that up. Yeah. And Chicago does have a couple top 50 picks at least, even though they don't have a first round pick in another high pick in, in the following round. So you're back up at a uh, pick 48. Uh, your boys need wide receiver O-line. You got your edge covered. Want to scroll down a little? Abraham Lucas. Oh, I like those two guys. I like a little Tolbert Dotson right there. Tolbert. 
I don't know how to pronounce it. Jalen Tolbert for the for the French Tolbert. folks, <laughs> but Jalen Jalen Tolbert. Yeah, it, it's it's Tolbert for sure. But for the French listeners, you, you can add a little exante on there. Are you from Montreal? No, I'm from uh, New Brunswick. We are bilingual though. <laughs> ah, okay. There Fair is some enough. good. This is an interesting area of the the second round in that late second. There's a lot of really polarizing offensive prospects that are getting that top uh, 60 top 50 kind of uh, draft capital range. You can check out their, you know, expected ADPs. Uh, you got guys like Jahan Dotson, and Jalen Tolbert, like Femi said, Trey McBride's kind of in that area. Uh, Brees Hall as well. He doesn't necessarily have that first round projection for a lot of mock sites that you check, but obviously a lot of teams have them with a first round grade. So he is likely to go a lot higher than that range, but somebody that would definitely turn an offense around. Yeah, for sure. I don't think that the Bears necessarily need him, though. Um, I'm still a David Montgomery truther, and they do have Khalil Herbert. I know you love him over there. I love Khalil. Yep, that's true, man. Mini Hulk. <laughs> you know what? Let's go with uh, let's go with Tolbert over there. Pair him up with Darnell Jay- Mooney. Get wow. Him, get him some weapons. That's great. Get Chicago some more weapons. Yeah, they just lost Allen Robinson. So that brings a, another wide receiver, a, a big wide receiver. Tolbert's 6'1". He can run routes with the best of them. That's kind of his game. Is He's another really, really crisp and solid route runner. It definitely brings you guys some solid wide receiver depth. I like that pick. It's going to be something that Chicago needs to attack in the draft. So, mm-hmm. And up again. Do you not have any picks? <laughs> No, it's the Panthers, man. <laughs> they, they just have the one. No, they they oh do have God. some uh, they do have some upcoming picks, but not until a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the Panthers are in a, in a rough spot for their for their draft capital situation. Um, they basically don't have uh, a second or a third round pick because of the Sam Darnold train. Uh, so Chicago sense. is back. Chicago's back up at seventy one here uh, in the third round. Femi took for uh, for them a wide receiver already off the board. He got a good edge rusher in there for them. Yeah. I think this is an area that Chicago might want to grab one of the tackles or one of the guards left because they've got a few holes in an offensive line. That's what I'm thinking too. Was Gadecki the one that played tight end? Luke Gadecki? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Out of Central Michigan. Interesting. Make it make him eligible. Have him run Small out of town a, school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Antonio Brown went to Central Michigan, so you know maybe he'll be an, an Antonio Brown at a wide offensive line. Yeah, and like like we said, this is a, a a draft that really can be won in the trenches, especially in this range in that that third round range. I think you're going to see a lot of teams in the 2022 NFL draft kind of take that that leap and maybe even make some smaller moves up to get into this third round range where there's a lot of really good defensive backs, really good tackles and guards. Um, some of those guys that have high grades, but won't necessarily get the high capital because they, you know, played for extended years or potentially missed out on some big games. So there, there's some polarizing prospects up, up late here. And even there's some, there's some good offensive talent coming in the third round as well. Like, I think this is going to be where you see a lot of the, the high profile tight ends, not named Trey McBride fall. Like this is where uh, Greg Dulcich is going to go. And, and guys like Jelani Woods is going to get high draft capital. He's one of the, 
kind of slept on guys that is now pushing himself up into that late third, fourth round range. So this is going to be a, a really interesting area in the draft where teams are going to make pushes to, to get guys that they really like, because there's good depth in this round where in a lot of years, I think teams will stay stagnant, but where the depth lies in this draft is in the trenches and there's not too many studs that you're going to move up for in those early rounds, but there's a lot of really good depth in these rounds. Yeah. And I noticed Carson strong was still on there. Uh, we could see a couple of quarterbacks go over here. The, I mean, I think it was a Kyle Trask. I think he went in the third or the fourth uh, Ian book might've gone pretty early too. So yeah, you, you can it's see those kind, kind of, of mid range quarterbacks just start to go for whatever reason. Yeah, this is backup quarterback territory for sure. And, and guys that you're going to see on rosters for a long time, but aren't really going to hold fantasy relevance. Yeah, you're basically hoping for a Dak or a Russell Wilson. Right, which All I right. don't think that this draft class has. But again, quarterbacks are the hardest position to evaluate. We don't know. We don't know until they get on the field and until their draft capital is attached to their name. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with... I, I'm, I'm going to butcher his name, but you know what? People butcher my name all the time. Jamari Salier out of Georgia. Salier, yeah. That's He's a solid tackle. Place. I like yeah. him. He can, I think he has the versatility. Excellent. He can line up anywhere on the line, too. Yeah, he was uh, one of those guys that helped Cincinnati build that or help Georgia rather build that Cinderella team that, that won them that national championship. So Georgia ha is going to have a lot of players going in this draft and a lot of offensive and defensive linemen and iron sharpens iron. Um, it's one of those things that a lot of these kids are really good because of their counterparts, because of the guys that they were practicing against. If, if you have a bunch of first round talents on your offensive and defensive line in college, they're going to get better and be more prepared for the NFL. So not only are those guys of the highest talent and, and are going to be the most sought after, but they're going to have the most immediate impact um yeah to recap to kind of turn the bears franchise around and, and take them out of that bottom of the nfc north that is now wide open with uh Devontae adams moving on and the packers kind of being a questionable franchise in and of itself um at least as far as their win trajectory goes the bears picked on in round 32 nick benito out of oklahoma an edge rusher uh in round two pick 48 jalen tolbert out of south alabama a wide receiver and round three pick 71 jamari salier out of Georgia, the left, right tackle, left guard, right guard can play anywhere on the line, kind of do it all, man. And Taysom for me Hill. with the, yeah, for, yeah, the, the Taysom Hill of offensive <laughs> linemen. <laughs> and for me, for the Panthers in round six, and they're only picking the first three rounds, I took the best offensive lineman on the board, in my opinion. And that was Charles, Charles Cross out of Mississippi state. Um, I'm really like my logic behind there. I'll, I'll reiterate again, is I, I don't think the Panthers have, necessarily the firing power that they want to put a quarterback into a position where he has to win now. So it's one of those areas where you sure up that offensive line, you keep Christian McCaffrey healthy. He's still productive at 27 years old the following year. DJ Moore is still around. You can move on from Ro Robbie Anderson. You can attack wide receiver a little later in the draft and your defense is solid and it's filled with, you know, young talent like JC Horn and Brian Burns, who's one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL and is only 23. So I think that's where the Panthers should go. If they, they really want to put themselves in a position where they're not just rotating through the Sam Darnolds of the world. Yeah, I think that's smart. And I think 
maybe Tom Brady unretiring and the Saints re-signing James Winston might have been a big part of that because if Brady's gone, if James is gone, and you're just versing, you know, Kyle Trask and uh, Taysom Hill, and I guess now Marcus Mariota or Felipe Franks, but probably Marcus Mariota, maybe you think you have a chance to win this division, you know, get into the playoffs and kind of, you know, sneak into the Super Bowl maybe. I mean, it's pretty hard to sneak into the Super Bowl, but you don't know if you don't try. So, right. I, you know, I think that kind of saved them from the mediocrity. So I think I think Brady is to, to thank for this perhaps. Yeah. And I mean, that, that there is something to say to that. It, Brady definitely shook that division up and the Panthers certainly, regardless of, in my opinion, regardless of the moves that they make in this 2022 NFL draft are not in a position to compete for that division. Um, I, even the saints aren't really in a position to compete for that division. And they went 500 and are adding weapons and, and shaving salary cap to be able to make moves and moving up in the draft. So that's going to be a tough division for the Panthers to get out of. And, and yeah, once again, I, I think it's just a shore up everything else to give a real top tier quarterback prospect an elite chance at becoming something special with a team that is already established rather than throwing in a question mark guy like Kenny Pickett, who they're favored to take um, throwing in a question mark guy like Kenny Pickett to essentially figure it out on the fly with a team that, is only going to win six games. I think that's good logic. And I think when, when you only have one pick like that, you have to make it count and you might as well just start building for the future, build the trenches, you know, go, goes to the beginning of what we were saying before with Deshaun Watson and the Browns with Matthew Stafford and the, uh, and the Rams, you know, you don't have to have the best quarterback, even if you truly believe in him, uh, you, you just have to have a very good team. And, you know, maybe those good quarterbacks do, Every once in a while, we'll get through and you know win the games because they're just so great. But it's it's not the key to consistency. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think that's going to cover it, everybody. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, don't forget to go check out the app on the Google Play, the Apple Store. Download it. Keep us running. Keep the lights on. Head over to the Patreon. Join the Discord. Join the best community that you can find in all of fantasy football. Have direct access to myself, to the other Patrops, and, and some phenomenal tools and some of the best people that you can talk fantasy with. Um, tell the people where they can find you once again, Femi. You can find me at Gridiron Greek on Twitter, on TikTok. And in fact, me and Matt, we're going to be posting a lot on the Brodo Fantasy Twitter, uh, TikTok, I'm sorry, soon. You'll see our beautiful faces everywhere. Yeah, yeah, we're going to try and get into the grind of, of making some some video content for the people. Uh, you can find me at PsychWardFF on all social medias, TikTok included. Uh, and yeah, thanks for listening, everybody.